Welcome to Geek to Guru. There are some bad people out on the internet. Some of them just want to vandalize your machine, but quite a few of them want to steal your data, steal your money, steal your credit cards, steal your identity. The way they do all these things is to trick you into installing some software onto your system that does what they want without your knowledge or consent. There are different kinds of bad software. There are programs that will locate your email address book and send it to a spammer so that he can use those addresses to send more spam. There are programs that try to capture your passwords that you use to access websites. There are others that try to get hold of your credit card numbers when you use them to buy things online. And there are some that let someone else control your computer, make copies of your data and delete important files. There are others that use your computer to send out spam. And there are some that pop up advertisements on your screen every few minutes. These bad programs go by lots of different names. Viruses, Trojan horses, keyloggers, adware and so on. But there is one blanket term that's used to cover all of them in a single word. Malware, which means malicious software. The trick to understanding how to protect yourself against these attacks is to understand how they get into your system. One way is to exploit weaknesses in the legitimate software in your computer. Some of the programs supplied in your machine open connections to other systems to collect data of one form or another. Usually this is 100% safe, but sometimes because of an oversight in the design of a program, there can be a weakness that allows the bad guys to get malware into your system. Another way is to make the malware available to you in some way and then trick you into running it. When you do that, the malware installs itself into your computer, usually in such a way that it starts itself automatically whenever you start your machine. One common way that this happens is that you'll receive an email with an attachment from someone you don't know. The hope is that you'll open the attachment and thereby install the malware. Another common trick is to disguise the malware as a program that you might be interested in, such as a screensaver, and make it available for you to download from a website. Occasionally you'll come across a web page that tells you that you need some particular browser extension, sometimes called a plugin or an ActiveX control, they're all much the same thing, to be able to use that page properly. There are many browser extensions that are genuinely useful to have. Some pages use a thing called Flash and won't display properly without it. Others need a Java plugin. I'm interested in new movies and I like to view the trailers, but the trailers are often in QuickTime format, so to view them I need the QuickTime plugin. And some pages have printable documents and forms in PDF format that need the Adobe Reader plugin. Whenever you come across a page that tells you that you need a specific plugin, my advice is to get the genuine plugin from the web page of the people that make it. I've put links in the show notes for those four commonly used plugins Flash, Java, QuickTime, and the Adobe Reader. If you come across a web page that tells you that a specific plugin is needed, and that it's only available there and then from that particular site, be suspicious. Also, make sure your web browser is set to alert you if a web page attempts to install a plugin. Usually that's the default setting anyway, but it's as well to check. Another kind of browser extension that you may be offered by some sites is a toolbar. Sometimes it is useful, sometimes not so much. In any case, be careful. The toolbar may cause your browser to start popping up advertising pages, redirect your browser to pages you don't ask for, or capture password or other information. 
As a rule of thumb, don't install any browser extensions, plugins or toolbars from sites you don't know and trust. Now, in many cases, programs that you download, such as screensavers, greetings cards, toolbars and other extensions, really do what they say they do. You see the greetings card or you get the screensaver as you expected. But don't be fooled. When the software runs, it also installs the malware. Uninstalling the software does not uninstall the malware. It's designed to stay on your computer come hell or high water. You're probably thinking by now that the only way to keep your computer safe and your data safe and your financial information safe is to disconnect your computer from the internet right now and never connect it again. For most people though, that's probably not a reasonable thing to do. So, what can you do to protect yourself? The first thing to do is make sure your operating system is kept up to date with the latest patches. Windows includes a feature that will update the system with important patches, usually on a weekly basis. The patches include fixes for security problems that might be exploited by malware, so it's important to keep your system up to date. If your computer doesn't run Windows, you're not so much at risk. Most malware targets Windows systems, but it's still a good idea to keep things up to date. Another thing to do is to buy a good antivirus program. Most antivirus programs also detect adware as well as viruses, and I'd recommend going for one of the ones that does that. Also, all the antivirus programs I've ever used update themselves at intervals with the latest malware information. Usually pay a yearly subscription for the service, and it's indispensable because new malware appears almost daily. Another thing to consider is a firewall program. If you have a malware that attempts to allow a remote computer to connect to your machine and control it, a firewall can stop that. Windows includes a firewall program that runs by default and generally does a pretty good job. There are other firewall products available that might offer better protection, so you might want to look into that. So, with your system kept up to date, an antivirus program installed and your firewall running, is your system secure? Actually, not 100%. These precautions will protect your system from a great deal, but there is still a remaining security risk. You see it every time you look in the mirror. Yes, I'm talking about you, the computer user. The fact is that the bad guys want to get their malware onto your computer, or they want to trick you into giving them personal or financial information. To do that, they're going to try to gain your trust, and occasionally it works. Some of these people are very good at what they do. Protecting yourself against this kind of intrusion is a matter of staying alert and being careful where you put your trust. As I mentioned earlier, the most obvious way of getting malware into your system is to send it to you in an email attachment, in the hope that you'll open it. To entice you to open it, the email that accompanies it might tell you that it's something nice, like a greetings card. Or, it may even appear to have been sent by a friend, which means nothing other than the person that sent it happens to have your friend's email address. The safest way to deal with this is to not open any email attachments, at least until you've checked them through with your antivirus program. By the way, most antivirus programs will automatically scan email attachments as they come into your system, but it never hurts to do another manual check anyway. There are other threats that arrive in the form of email messages that have nothing to do with installing malware on your system. From time to time you'll certainly receive mail that appears to be from a financial institution, a bank or perhaps an online payment system such as paypal.com. I get this kind of mail all the time, usually from banks I don't even have dealings with, but occasionally I'll get one that appears to be from my own bank. 
Usually the mail asks you to click on a link that will take you to an authentic looking form where you're asked to <coughs> confirm your details such as your account number, mailing address and soon and so on. Do not fall for this. Your genuine bank has your details. They don't need you to confirm the information. PayPal states in their terms of service that they will never ask you for these details by email. Any mail like this is almost certainly from someone trying to steal your financial information. If you're not sure, call the bank or whoever the mail appears to be from and check with them. Don't use any phone number or email address that you find in the suspect mail. It could be just as fake as the rest of it. I know that may sound obvious, but it's really easy to do without thinking. Check the real bank's real web page or check the phone directory. Another popular scam is what's popularly known as the Nigerian 419 scam. 419 is the section of Nigerian law that this kind of scam is breaking. In this scam, you receive an email from someone claiming to be a representative of an extremely wealthy but deceased person. This person has, or had, a huge pile of money, and you, yes you, have been chosen to receive a percentage in return for your help in moving this cash mountain out of some far-off land and into an account in your own country. To do this, you're asked to pay some banking fees to cover paperwork or some such. If you pay this, then you'll be asked later to stump up a bigger fee for something unexpected that's come up. Every payment you make leads to bigger and bigger demands, but all the time you're aware of these untold millions you'll get at the end. This kind of scam goes by several names and has several variations. See the link in the show notes for more information. There are other threats out there, but malware and email scams cover probably more than 90% of what you'll see. As I mentioned before, keeping your system updated, installing a good antivirus program and taking one or two basic precautions when dealing with suspicious emails will protect you from the majority of threats. Now, I'd like to say a few words on the subject of web cookies. A web cookie is a small chunk of data that a web server sends to your web browser and the browser stores on your machine. The next time you visit that same website, your browser sends the cookie right back to the web server. Cookies make it simpler and more reliable for the server to keep track of things across multiple visits to a website. For example, it might be used to keep track of purchases you're making from an online store, or it could automatically log you in to a web page that you visit frequently, so that you don't have to enter your username and password every time you visit. Some people will try to tell you that cookies are the ultimate evil. They say cookies can get viruses into your system and steal your data. Do not be alarmed. Cookies are short pieces of readable text, not executable code, and in any case your system never does anything with cookies other than store them and then send them back. Cookies can't carry viruses or any other kind of malware into your computer. That's not to say that they're 100% risk-free. I could go into a long technical explanation of this, but let's keep it simple. Some businesses, particularly advertising and marketing companies, use what are known as third-party cookies to keep track of websites that you visit. In this way, they can target their advertising. For example, say you visit a website about photography, and there's an ad on the page. The ad is supplied by the marketing company, and it gives your browser a cookie that identifies that photography page. 
Later you go to the web page of a popular camera magazine and that page has another ad from the same marketing company. Your browser sends the cookie back to the marketing company and they connect the dots. They can start putting together a profile of you that tells them that you're interested in photography and cameras. So now you go to another website, say a news page, and again there's an ad from the same marketing company. So, your browser sends the cookie, and now the marketing company's servers knows that it's that person who's interested in photography. It's linked up the dots. So from all the possible ads the marketing company has to show you, it picks the one for the new Nitax Alta Super Duper 7000 camera. In other words, by tracking your browsing history, they can figure out something about your interests and target their ad advertising to appeal to those interests. Note that the marketing company isn't supposed to capture any kind of personal information such as your name or address. There are laws against that, at least in the US and Europe. All the same, many people consider this behavior an invasion of privacy. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed or numbered. The people that make web browsers are aware of these concerns and so these days most web browsers give you control over which cookies your browser will accept and store. If you're particularly concerned, you can set your browser to not accept any cookies, or only cookies from sites you trust. At the opposite end of the spectrum, you can set your browser to accept all cookies. You can normally list specific sites that you don't want to accept cookies from. The happy medium is usually somewhere in the middle, and in fact this level of cookie handling is often the browser's default, so in many cases you don't have to worry too much. Still, it's probably a good idea to check your browser's security settings to make sure they do what you want with cookies. There are also programs you can get that will seek and destroy these type of tracking cookies. The best known of these is probably AdAware, the basic version of which can be downloaded for free from lavasoft.com. There's a link in the show notes for that. One thing I should say is that if you do get caught out, don't feel too bad about it. The reason I say this is that some people take it very hard when they get victimized in this way. Some victims have committed crimes to trying to cover money that they lost. There have been suicides. The thing is, I think it's likely that even the most careful of us occasionally are going to catch a bullet once in a while. Hell, I've been in this business 30 years and I got tricked a couple of years ago. If you get caught out, report the fact to the relevant authorities, do what you can to fix the damage, take the whole episode as a learning exercise and move on. On the positive side, you won't get caught so easily the next time. In the next episode, I'll be explaining something about how email works and how that allows people to send spam and how that allows you to stop spam. Scotty, be me up. See our website at geek2guru.blogspot.com for 